Storehouse Dallas. But um, I'm looking at Ezekiel 33, verse 7, and Ezekiel actually, he's in a really tough place. He's in a, he's in a prison camp at the time. Babylon has come in and destroyed Jerusalem. So Ezekiel is prophesying to the nation of Israel in the midst of a trying situation for himself, right? And he says, this is what the Lord says to Ezekiel. Now we're in the context of, we're in a prophetic house. A lot of you have been activated in the prophetic gifting. A lot of you have been encountered by Jesus in an amazing way, right? I know that you've had encounters and experiences with the Lord on your own. I know that you've been in a grocery store and you've probably prophesied to the guy behind the counter or the girl at the cart or wherever you've prophesied to somebody. And so the Lord is saying this to you. He's saying this to us, okay? As if he was saying it to Ezekiel. He said to Ezekiel, so you son of man, this is verse 7, 33 verse 7, so you son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will, I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul." He goes on to say, Jesus, the Lord, God tells him, in verse 11, it says, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, none, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. That's his heart. And as prophetic people, he is calling us to steward our prophetic anointing and to learn to watch to learn to watch. Um, when you're a watchman, you're not giving just words of encouragement. You are giving words of warning and preparation. Okay, this is a preparatory ministry. This, this house that you're sitting in, storehouse, is a preparatory ministry. It's preparing people, vessels, for the Lord's return. It's preparing you to go out and do the works, do the greater works, right? And so what I'm saying is, is that this fall, we need to come in here together we need to come in here to this prayer room and we need to steward our prophetic gift and learn to see and hear what the Father is doing because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we see and we hear what the Father is doing, we're gonna begin to be able to have the eyes of Issachar, the eyes that Ezekiel had to warn those in our sphere and maybe some of you even in the nation what is going on, to warn and to prepare the body of Christ, to build them up in the faith so that they can be a mighty army before his return. And that is what Rob and I are here to do. We are here to invite you to come to the table. We have so many amazing worshipers and prayer leaders that have been sacrificing and laying down even their own desires and their wants to set the table for you. And when you come, you are going to be blown away at the presence of God and at the sweetness of God and how he's going to bless you and how he's going to open up the beauty realm to you in this prayer room. Rob, what you got? <laughs> Amen. Um, 
And I, I'm married to her. Think about how intense my mornings are. Right? Oh, oh my, my gosh. I'd be like, yeah. I'm trying to whisper. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, she comes home from school. It's so funny. She's up like five octaves. Like she's been yelling at kids all day. I'm like, babe, I, am I in trouble? I'm not in trouble. Uh, am I? Um, no, I've been up, like, I'll wake up at like five, right? So like maybe nine o'clock. I'm waiting till nine. I'm getting these words from the Lord. I'm getting ideas. And I'm like wanting to tell him, right? But he's sleeping. No, I don't sleep. So I'm like, I'll go. 8.30, right, Dylan? I'll go, Rob, Rob, Rob. I really need to tell you something. And then I'll, then I'll wake up thinking she's going to be quiet. But yeah, so I, I, I want to reiterate what, what Lindsay's saying here. Um, guys, if you're watching the news, if you're, if you're paying attention just a little bit to what's going on in the world, there's a lot of crazy things happening. There's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's earthquakes, there's hurricanes. We need to be paying attention to what's going on out there, right? And, and, and we're going to get to this in, in a second, but I want, to, I want to put two things like in front of you real quick. In the upper room, Jesus, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he went and he said, I want you guys to go to the upper room. Right, And when he was in the upper, or, or when they were in the upper room, there was about 120 of those guys, right? And they were in one heart, one mind, and one accord. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. He didn't fall on one person. He fell on a company of people. And Jesus left so that he could send the Holy Spirit, right? And he wants to send it to a company of people, not just here, all over, and he's looking for people to come together in unity, in one heart, one mind, and one accord so that he can manifest his presence through the Holy Spirit in our midst. And the things that we've been crying out for, like revival, can happen. All right. And, and secondly, I want you to remember this as we begin to go through. Uh, I'm going to go through the life of Peter with you guys. And I want you to remember this term, follow me. Follow me. So, have y'all ever watched Benny Hinn on TV? Any of you? Come on, you old school Benny Hinners out there, right? <laughs> so, listen, I grew up in a library. Both of my parents were librarians. So, my house is like the most boring place you could ever live. And, and I, was, I would be like, how am I even in this family? My sister's an English major, too. So, that's like everybody was against me. Um, so... One thing I learned from Benny Hinn is, and Lindsay said it earlier, faith comes by hearing and by hearing of the Word of God. And he always would have somebody read the Word of God and then he'd expound on it. And so I love it with Lindsay because that's what we do back and forth. She'll read to me and then we'll talk about it. So that's, I'm inviting you into our intimate place right now. And she's going to do that. She's going to read and I'm just going to talk about uh, what, what's coming out of it. We're going to talk about a, a restoring of a fervent heart. How many know what fervency is? Fervency is like a passion or a burning on the inside of you. And so there's a lot of people, like in our circles, these crazy charismatic circles. You know, you get on fire for a little while, but then all of a sudden, over time, because you're so into the spiritual and you understand so, so much more about the spiritual realm, we get down really quick. And so I, I want to show you this life of Peter 
And I'm going to show you that even in the Bible and, and, and some of the closest to Jesus, they had to be restored to a fervent heart. They had to build themselves back up in the faith. And Jesus had to even restore Peter. So we're going to talk about that today. So I'm going to let Lindsay read. Real quick, before he starts, I just want to um, expound just a little bit. Because I was talking about watchmen, and I was saying I want us to learn to watch together. And I just wanted to kind of expound just a tad bit on what is a watchman. A watchman is somebody that's seeing and someone that's hearing in the spirit. They're listening for the Father's voice through prayer, right? Because how do we, how did Jesus even, he went away to pray, to, to commune with the Father, right? And then he's, become, he's a messenger, right? Watchmen become messengers. And this house is full of prophetic messengers in whatever sphere you're in right? Um, we have a photographer in our house. He's a, he's a messenger through his photography. We've got a filmmaker in our house. She's a, she's a messenger, a prophetic messenger through the films that she makes, right? We have a coffee shop owner. Luke is a prophetic messenger by owning this coffee shop. And when he stands and serves coffee, coffee he's a prophetic messenger, right? There's going to be messengers in every sphere, not just on pulpits, but out in the highways and the byways, but a message has to be something that you hear directly from the throne. It, it's something that's new. It's something that's fresh and anointed with the Holy Spirit and fire that is, brings transformation to the culture, and there it is. Okay, so I just wanted to expound on that just a little bit. Okay, yeah. are you ready? Yeah. Okay. All right, so... Right. Do you want me to tell them what you're looking at, or do you want me to just go? No, just go. Okay. You can give the scripture. You can give the scripture reference. Okay. So um, this is a trust walk right here. I'm getting out of the boat. Okay. Matthew four eighteen through twenty. It says, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Okay, so I just want you to remember that term, follow me. Follow me, right? And Jesus, what did he see from the shore? He saw the two brothers. So Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you, and he knows exactly where you're at. And this, is, this next scripture, it's Luke 5, 1 through 9, and it's, it's a different account of this story. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put, put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners on the outer and the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. O Lord. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Right. So, so Jesus was, was teaching on the Sea of Galilee, right? And the crowds were pressed up against him. And um, Jesus was probably feeling a little bit, you know, there was a lot of people around him. Even Jesus, you know, is fully human, probably need, you know, personal space, right? So he gets into Peter's boat, right? So Jesus is going to get into your business, right? He's going to get into your space. He is going to find you where you're at, and he is going to get into your space. That's what this is saying. He got into Peter's boat, and then when he got into Peter's boat, he tells Peter what he's going to do. Push you a little bit away from the shore. So Jesus, being smart, pushed himself away from the shore, and he began to teach the multitudes, right? He began to teach them. And so this goes on for a while. Well, Peter's a professional fisherman. I mean, these aren't small, like, dinghy boats, right? These are big. These are fishing vessels. So these aren't small. So it takes time to even push him out. It takes, you know, a lot of effort and energy on Peter's part. He doesn't know Jesus very well, right? But he's willing to do it. He's willing to do what Jesus says. He says, at your word, I'm going to do this. And so as he goes out, I imagine the other disciples are in the boat with him, um, or the other partners are in the boat with him at that time. And, and they get out there, and Jesus finishes, and then he says, what? He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. Well, he says before that, he says, he says, cast your, ne- uh, your nets onto the other side of the boat, right? And so as soon as they did that, they caught a load of fish that was just completely other than what they had been doing all night. So Jesus is going to come to you with a word that... See, Jesus knows that Peter was a professional fisherman. They had spent all night fishing and he knows that he was a professional fisherman. And they, I'm telling you, you, he was tired. They had come in, and they had come in, and they were probably washing their nets, and they were going to go home to sleep. But Jesus got on his boat, right? And when Jesus gets on your boat, he's going to use what he needs to use, and then he's going to tell you what he needs to tell you, right? And so that's what happened here. And they caught such a load of fish that it was astonishing to them. And as soon as they got back to the shore, they worshiped him, right? And he said, from now on, you're going to catch men. And they forsook all, and they followed him. Okay, Matthew 14, 25 through 33. It says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. All right, so we're talking about this guy, Peter, right? And so Peter, Peter at, at that, that time when they were in his boat, he lays down at Jesus' feet and said, surely you are the son of God. And they forsake all, and they followed him. So they had had some time come between that moment and this moment. There was some time that had lapsed. They had been walking with Jesus. They had been, began to start seeing miracles. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, y'all go, y'all go ahead of me. Y'all, y'all go ahead, and I'll, I'll catch up with you. And they're thinking, how's he going to meet us on the other side? He didn't have a boat. So in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, Jesus is, comes out walking on the water. It's funny. It like, in, when I first got saved... Um, I, I mean, we were radical, right? We, whatever it said in the Bible, we believed. And we were out at Lake Waco. I had been baptized in Lake Waco. A few weeks later, we were out in Lake Waco. We was like 19 or 20 of us. We were just fire-breathing Christian guys. And so um, we're praying around the, uh, we're on a dock, and we're praying around the dock, and all of a sudden, we hear this big splash, and it's my friend Kurt, and he comes up out of the water, and he's like, I thought I could walk on water. It was awesome. <laughs> But that night, I'm going to tell you something, there was such fire and there was such fervor in what we were doing that he literally stepped out onto the water. So imagine Peter, right? This is, like I said, this is a big boat. This isn't like a little dinghy. And, and, and there's, a, there's, this, there's this place that a lot of us get to where we have to shift our weight into the things that God's calling us to, right? There's a difference between standing here. It's a big deal. And it's like a place in our heart where we got to get to, to where we got to see Jesus so clearly that we can begin to walk on water, right? And when Peter did, he was so much, he, the whole boat was invited, right? If it's you, bid me to come. But the whole boat, the boat was invited, every single one of them. But Peter's the one who stepped out and began to walk on water. He's the one that shifted his weight from reality to real reality. From what he was seeing into the faith and believing that Jesus standing on the water in front of him was the truth. Let me. So they get back to the boat. Of course, Jesus says, ye of little faith, right? Why do you doubt, ye of little faith? You know, it's like us little, us little kids. You know, why do you doubt? And he gets back to the boat, and they all began to worship him. But think about Peter at that moment. You should have probably seen the smile on his face when he got back into that boat. I mean, he, he, was walk, he just walked on water. Peter just walked on water. He was a little bit more tall than the rest of the boys on the boat, right? He had a little bit more pep in his step, you know what I'm saying? Peter had just done something absolutely other than anything else that any other human had done, maybe except for Moses and Elijah. Okay. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? 
So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that she, he, they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. Right, so think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. So Jesus has been walking with these guys for a while now, right? All the disciples, there had been miracles. I mean, major, major miracles had happened. And um, so they start asking these questions, or he starts asking these questions to these disciples. Who do you say that I am? And then here's their answers. Some say John the Baptist. Wait, you mean John the Baptist? It's like two miles that way? No, that's not who I am. Some say Elisha. Well, we know that the prophet Joel said that in the last days he's going to pour out the same spirit, right? The spirit of Elisha. So that, this could, might be Elisha. Elijah. And then he says, they, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. This guy, his life was like no fun, Jeremiah's life. And it was like sad. So when people looked at Jesus... Some people saw just complete sadness on him. Isn't that crazy to think about? And then Peter speaks up and he says, no, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus just turns with a smile and he says, blessed are you, Simon, for I didn't tell this to you, but my father in heaven told this to you. So the more you're hanging out with Jesus, what does it say? What does the Bible say? No man comes to the Father but through me. So as they were hanging out and they were spending time and they were following Christ, all of a sudden through Christ, they were able to connect with God. Right? And only through Christ are you able to connect with God. And so Peter had spent enough time with Jesus that he began to have a relationship with the Father himself. Right? And so all of a sudden, Peter is told by Jesus, because of this, I'm changing your name to Peter, which means rock. Now, what does Simon mean? Simon means hearing. Right? I'm changing your name from hearing to rock. I'm changing your name from hearing the word of God to building a church on it. Right? And so all of a sudden, that shifts for Peter. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So this is a prophetic declaration over Peter. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. 
All right, so check this out. So Peter, like, I got the revelation. You're the Christ, the son of the living God, right? On this rock, you're going to build my church, right? Two, uh, two scriptures later, Jesus, I mean, Peter takes Jesus away and begins to rebuke Jesus. What? He begins to rebuke Jesus and tell him, you don't, you're not going to die. And so immediately Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. And that's a big S. That's not a small S. Get behind me, Satan, because he was filled with the Antichrist spirit. So like five minutes earlier, he's filled with the revelation of the Father. Move forward five minutes, and he's filled with the revelation of the devil. All right, so we've always got to remember this could be us. Because you don't know what's happening in your mind from moment to moment. And you've got to be really careful about the things that are coming out of your mouth because you don't want to be rebuked from Jesus. You don't want to hear, get behind me, Satan, you're an offense to me. So Peter's starting to be humbled a little bit, right? He walks on water. Okay, Peter walks on water. Peter gets the revelation that I'm the Christ, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then all of a sudden, Peter... It's kind of like being put back in its place a little bit. Okay, keep going, baby. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and don't be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. All right, so Jesus has taken his favorite disciples. I don't know if they're his favorite. We're all his favorite, right? Matthew's his favorite, actually. But um, he's taken his disciples, Peter, James, and John, with him on this, this adventure. And they go up the mountain, and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus, and they all turned bright. Jesus, right? So let's think about this. Moses, man of faith, who parted the Red Sea. Like, how many people have been to the Red Sea? Anybody? How many people have been to Lake Louisville? <laughs> Imagine Lake Louisville splitting in half, dry land coming through right through the middle of it, and a whole herd of people, a million people crossing, just Lake Louisville. Think about the Red Sea, right? That's a big, okay, so Moses is on that mountain. 
Elijah is on that mountain. Let's talk about Elijah. The burnt offering, right? They, they poured water over the burnt offering six times. The priest of Baal did. And at one word, Mo, uh, Elijah spoke and the sacrifice was completely consumed by God. These are the two men that Jesus is meeting with on the mountain. And Peter speaks up and says, hey, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Right? Hey, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tents. One for you, one for, me, uh, for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while they were still speaking, God, the Father, when he's still speaking, when Peter's still talking, who knows what Peter's saying, right? While he's still speaking, a, a cloud overshadowed them, and he says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to him. Why are you speaking? I mean, in, in, in such a gracious, godly way. And, but he says, listen to him. And so Peter's like, once again, He's getting refined in the fire. You know, you can get saved. You're, you're saved. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. But the time that it takes to get the wisdom of God is a while. Okay, keep going, babe. I, I just wanted to also say that you can kind of see the trend of Jesus throughout Peter's life continuing steadfastly on his eternal plan. He will not, he will not deviate. He's trying to reveal himself to the disciples, but he will not deviate from his eternal plan. He knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that he's not going to set himself as a king in the Roman and take over the Romans and do all that. He knows he's not going to come into the city and take over. And these disciples are having a hard time coming into alignment with that. Jesus and his character and nature has not changed. Even now, he is going to not deviate from his eternal plan. Do you understand? He is, we are like Peter. He is him. He is not going to deviate from his eternal plan. He is trying to reveal himself to us in this hour so that we can partner with him and not so we can be like Peter and say, no, Jesus, don't do that. You won't go to the cross. That's not right. No, we need to partner with him because he's not going to deviate. You can deviate all that you want, but what he wants you to do right now is to uncover the mystery of his eternal plan and declare it out as a messenger so that you can partner with him and not be like this. Now, Peter, I mean, he's one of the 24 elders probably right now on the throne, and he's probably listening to me right now saying, why are you rebuking me? I'm dead and I'm glorified already. <laughs> but he would also be probably cheering me on saying, go, Lindsay, like, please tell them because what I thought in my mind in that moment was nothing about what Jesus had in his heart in that moment in eternity. That is the eternal tipping point that you have to get to on the inside because he's not going to deviate for us. We have to go with what he is saying he's going to do. So part of the plan has happened. He's risen and he's glorified, but he is going to play out the rest of the book. 
He is not stopping for us. He is saying, I want you to come with me. And that is why we need you to come to the prayer room. Because we cannot do this with Jesus individually. This plan is too global. This plan is too eternal for me to try to do this on my own in this generation. In this generation, I have to have every single one of y'all partnering with me as a great and mighty army. Because in this generation, there is an adversary that is going to show himself greater and greater and greater until the Lord returns and takes him down. I can't do this by myself as a lone prayer warrior up in here. It's not going to happen. I have to have every single one of y'all's gifts, talents, voice, message, and I also have to have you as a partner in my army fortified on the inside and on the inner man with a spirit of understanding to know the Lord's heart too. That's what I need. That's what you need. You don't need to be isolated at your house, getting beat up every night by some demons, making you feel sad and depressed and making you get down and watching the news and feeling even worse and caring about the economy and caring about your house and your future and all of those things. If the Lord is so good and amazing that we worship him like we do, and you do, he's going to take care of those things. But we have to get about his business and not be like Peter on the mountain talking about building tents. Because we don't need to build any tents. We don't. What we need to do is partner with him. Because he hasn't changed. He's the same Jesus that's now. He's, he's glorified sitting by the Father. And this is a huge mystery, guys. It's a huge, huge mystery. And we are no different than Peter because he certainly didn't have the word of God to go by. At least we have that, right? He didn't have any of that. He had the prophecies. They had the stories foretold. We have much more than they had. And we have to discover this together. Okay, well, I went on a tangent. <laughs> So I know that some of you have kids. So just as the sign comes up, we want you to be cognizant of that. And we're going to, I'm going to move through a couple of these, just give you a brief overview. So Peter has another issue and it's that he makes a mistake when he's talking about the temple tax and that's Matthew 17, 24 through 27. So write that down and, and look at that a little bit later. And then Peter makes a vow to Jesus and he says, if, so, so we know that the time is coming and that, that Jesus is going to be uh, crucified. And so Jesus has been speaking about this multiple, multiple times. And, and Peter says to him, Lord, if anybody is going to deny you, it's not going to be me. This is paraphrasing the Rob Hatch version. Right? I'm not, I am not going to deny you, period. I will not do it. If everybody else that's sitting around this table is going to deny you, I am not going to deny you. Okay, so Peter says that to the Lord. Okay. 
So he specifically says, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. It's a bold bold statement. So then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch, for with, watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup could not pass away from me, but unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? They were sleeping while Jesus was sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was taking, beginning to take on the sin of the world, and they were asleep. He was beginning to move into what he had been called to this earth to do, and they fell asleep. But what did he say to them? He says, why are you asleep, first of all? But he says, pray that you, Jesus, sweating blood, Jesus says, pray that you don't fall into temptation. He's not saying pray for me. Jesus, full of compassion for them, is saying, pray, pray that you don't enter into temptation. And then he goes off a little bit more to pray, and then comes back and he finds them asleep again. And so I'm going to pose this to you as a friend. And I, I want you to ask yourself this question. What are the areas that I am asleep in that I need to wake up from? What do I need to wake up from? I love you. But, but there is a time that is at hand. It's at hand. The earth is groaning for the sons of God to awaken, and he is saying, wake up. Wake up those who are sleeping. Wake up. It is time to shift your weight, and you need to start walking on the water. You need to start moving forward because there is something that's happening in the spiritual realms of God right now. He was saying to them, are you still sleeping and resting? And he was calling them to watch. They didn't know how. I didn't know how. This has nothing to do with resting in the Lord. Abiding is resting in the Lord. When I abide in him, I'm resting. I might be the busiest person on the planet, but if I'm in my inner man resting in him, 
praying the spirit, dwelling on him, hearing what he's saying for my students, getting the grace of God for my lesson that day. I might be busy, but I'm resting. I'm abiding, right? He says, why are you sleeping and resting? He's not talking about abiding. He's talking about straight up sleep. Like you're straight up not awake. You are not looking. You are not watching. You're not paying attention. You don't care. You're building your own house. You're worried about your own future. You're nervous about everything in America and everything in our world. Like that's what he's talking about. Like they could not do it because they didn't know how. But he's saying to them, if you try and if you awaken, I will show you. This is something that he has to give us. You don't have the strength in yourself to do it because we don't know how. But he's saying, if you commit to me and if you commit to this, I will show you how. And when you get there to the place of watching, I'll show you my beauty and I'll also give you a message for the earth. And I'll give you a message for this generation and you will see your eyes open when I return. That is what he's saying. He's not saying don't rest. Resting is abiding. I just want to make that clear. Are we here? Are we here? Here. Okay. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant in its name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which, which, with which my father has given me? So, so the, okay, Peter, you, were the, you had the revelation, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, now pulls out his sword and cuts off an ear of somebody coming to take Jesus, right? This is, this is who lives by the sword shall die by the sword, right? Jesus says that. And so, so Peter is acting totally out of character than Jesus. And when, are we acting out of character, from Jesus, are the things that you're pulling out, are they in character with Jesus? Are the things that you're using in character with Jesus? Right? So Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts the ear off of this guy. And another, uh, one of the scriptures with the same story, it says Jesus picks up the guy's ear and puts it back on him. And he says to Peter, those who live by the sword are going to die by the sword. So Peter, he's just like, he's, he can't rationally, he can't, in his human brain, in his human thinking, he can't get it together. He's like, this guy is the king. I know this. This guy is going to take over the earth. And, and why are they taking him away? Why are they taking him from me? And he pulls out his sword. Remember, I'm never going to deny you. He pulls out his sword and cuts off the guy's ear. Jesus kindly picks it up and puts it back on the guy. Can you imagine that guy? That servant, your ear's bloody and bleeding. I mean, blood gushing out your ear. Jesus picks it back up, probably looks at him in the eyes, puts it back on him. And they still take him away. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're saying. 
And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I don't know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So he went out, and he wept bitterly. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Yeah, so three times he denies Jesus, right? He denies Jesus. I don't know that guy. That guy that I've been walking with for three years, I don't, I do not know him. All of a sudden, they, somebody else sees him. Hey, this guy's with, he was with Jesus. He was with Jesus. I do not know him. What, what, I don't know that guy. Then a third time, he starts cussing, right? That was sounding pretty Texan. He started cussing and swearing that he did not know Jesus. On this rock, I will build my church, Peter. I don't even know him. I don't know him. And Jesus was in distance and turns and looks at Peter in the eyes, and the rooster crows, and Peter starts to weep bitterly because he realized something in that moment. He realized that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He realizes that Jesus is the Christ. He realized that Jesus had told him this. He realized that everything that Jesus has said up to this moment is true. And I just said he was not even my friend, and I don't even know him. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, whom was crucified? He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. All right, so I'm just going to say this. Jesus made sure that the angel of the Lord said to them, go tell the disciples and Peter. Jesus knows that some of us need to hear our name again spoken by him. Jesus knows that sometimes we need to hear our name again because we flat out failed. We flat out denied him. Whether it's in our personal life, our private life, married life, work life, financial life, thought life, 
life, life. There's places where we have denied him, and we just need to hear our name from him again because there's been a prophetic declaration over him that on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he spoke that. Jesus spoke that. How many would like to get a prophetic word from Jesus? Right? Because you know that's going to be fulfilled because he's going to be the one that's going to be working it out. And he spoke that over Peter. And so Peter is like, I just need to hear my name. And so Jesus goes, he says, go to Galilee. Where do we start this whole story? Go ahead. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. All right, so they're there on the Sea of Galilee. Let's, let's take a full circle here. We're back to the boat, right? We're back to the boat. And what does he do? Jesus has taken them full circle back to the beginning. And Peter says, I'm going to do what I know best which is fishing. I've been doing that my whole life. I've only spent three years with this guy. I'm disappointed, yeah, but I'm going fishing again because that's what I know to do. They said to him, we're all going with you also. Everybody, every one of them said, we're going with you too. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it in bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus, Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. 
Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, also, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And there are also many things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Okay, so they had gone back to that place, right? They had gone back to that familiar place. And they get on the boat, and it sounds familiar, right? They toiled all night long, and they caught nothing. And then they're starting to move towards the shore, and they see this guy walking on the shore. And he says, hey, did y'all catch anything? It's like John Eckert style right there. Did y'all catch anything? And they don't recognize him. They're like, no, we didn't catch anything. He said, well, well, throw your net on the other side. And they're like, okay, you know, might as well. And they threw their net on the other side, and all of a sudden, it began to fill with fish. And John said, it's the Lord. And Peter put on his garment and jumped into the sea and started swimming for Jesus because he recognized the Lord and he had just forsook the Lord. And he said, he called my name. He called my name and I'm going to go after him. I'm going to do, I'm going to get off this boat and I'm going to go swim towards him. I'm getting out of my comfortable. Listen, I've walked on. I, I can only imagine this. Was Peter just jumping out of the boat because he thought he was going to walk on water and run to the Lord? He had done it before. He saw Jesus, right? He walked on water before. Was he in that faith that when he jumped out of the boat that he was going to meet Jesus? And he was going to run to Jesus on the water. That's the way I think. Now, he might not have, but he got to the shore, and he was the first one there. And they ate breakfast, and Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? And that word love means, do you have affection for me? Right? Do you have affection? Lindsay, do you have affection for me? I do. And he asked him again. If I ask Lindsay something three times, she's going to get annoyed with me. And he asked him again, do you love me? And he says, and that word again, it's affection. Do you have affection for me? And he's like, yes, I have affection for you. You know this, Lord. And he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And that third time, that word love there means desire. Do you have a desire for me? And Peter began to weep. He's like, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus begins to have a conversation with him. He says, okay, you're going to go places that you don't want to go. I'm going to take you places that you don't want to go to. And he was signifying the way that Peter was going to die. 
And we all know that Peter was hung upside down on a cross. Even more brutal than hanging right side on a cross. The blood coming down through his face, out of his mouth. His head basically was going to explode the way that he was crucified. And he said, don't worry. He said, that's going to glorify me. And he said, well, what about this guy? What about John? Don't worry about John. Quit worrying about everybody else and what is going on with everybody else. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And so guess what? Peter says, okay. And then Jesus vanished. And he said, go to the upper room. Go to the upper room. So they went to the upper room. Jen, can you come up here? Would you mind coming up here? And so they go to the upper room, and they wait. And 40 days later, in the upper room, the Holy Spirit falls. Right? Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. Okay. On this rock... I'm going to build my church. Peter, the guy that denies Christ. Peter, the guy that walks on water. The Peter that sticks his foot in his mouth. Peter, the guy who rebukes Jesus. The Holy Spirit found him that day to be the one that God used. That same Peter that same Rob Hatch, that same Corey Griffin, that same Nelson, that same Tracy Jackson, that same Jacob Hatch, that same Wilson. And Peter began to preach and 3,000 people were added that day. Then the next day, 5,000. And the church began to grow and expand and the Holy Spirit just began to take over and people get saved and delivered, free, filled with the Holy Spirit. I feel like this picture, hopefully you are just seeing the picture of this story just laid out so well before you. And I think the image of Jesus making breakfast for us on the beach um, is such an amazing picture of how he restores us. And Peter had just denied him. He had sinned. He had done a lot, you know. And I want to tell you, don't let sin, even habitual sin, or even circumstances or places of failure keep you away from the corporate place of prayer, from the prayer room, because Jesus is always going to be here setting a table for you. He's always going to be here to restore you in the midst of your brothers and your sisters in this community. And I want to invite you this fall to just take your place as a watchman in this house, to take your place and be restored every time you come, you know, to 
to hear the voice of the Father calling your name again and restoring you into your calling and into the things that he's called you to do. Every time you come here and you take your place, something on the inside is going to fortify you. There's going to be a rod, an alignment come into your spirit that's like what happened to Peter, right? Because eventually he understood. Eventually he was preaching at Pentecost. Eventually he let go of all the cares of the world and he ran and he established the the early church of Jesus Christ. They all did. They got it. They were able to see and partner with Jesus for who he really was and not who they wanted him to be. And I think for our community, the Lord has an invitation. And he's just saying, I want you to come and eat of me. I want you to come drink of me. And I want you to come and do it together so that I can use you as a mouthpiece. And this fall, um, we're gonna be having an intensive. We're gonna be teaching. We're gonna be um, training. We're gonna be helping you. And those that have stepped up into the prayer room, they're seeing their lives like transform. They're seeing the Lord transform their heart for what breaks his heart, you know, and transform their heart in new ways and experience new things in the prayer room. And um, would you just stand? Yeah, I want to invite you down. If you feel like that it's, it's, it's time for you to, to move from this side of the boat to the water, if, if it's time to shift your weight in some things, and you know what those are, and I just want to in, invite you to come down and just stand before the Lord, just open arms, stand before the Lord, and ask him to bid you to come. So if that's, if that's you, come on down. And even like if you responded last week, and you're like, Lord, I want these things. I want more of you. I want eternity on the inside. I want hunger in my heart. I want this season to be a new season. Um, and you just want to respond because it takes a response. When you hear a powerful word, you have to respond to it. You have to respond to it. And the Lord will begin to show you what that looks like in your life. He'll give it to you when you respond, when you do something different, when you shake yourself loose, when you awaken yourself and step out, he's gonna give you what you don't have. He's gonna begin to show you those things that you don't know how to do and that you're wanting more of, but it's about positioning. You have to position yourself for this. Bob, you want to just pray for them? Yeah, and I'm going to ask the people that are on the prayer team this morning, the prayer team, if y'all would come. And I just want y'all to lay hands. And if you're on in here on the prayer team, then just stay here. But Father, we, we thank you. We thank you that you are so kind to us. Lord, we thank you that you do take us literally, God, from glory to glory, that he who has begun a good work in us shall perform it. And I thank you, Lord, that you've started such a work in us, God, and you are unto something in our lives, God, each one of us different. 
And Father, I just ask, Lord, that in this moment, God, that you would restore our fervent hearts. Lord, to that day when we first met you, when our heart came alive, Lord, that's what we're desiring today. Lord, pierce us with your eyes of fire. Look at our hearts, Lord, and catch them ablaze. Burn all the dross off, God. All the the wet that's there, God, we ask that you would just burn it off, Lord, and set our hearts on fire again. Lord, we say it is time to follow you to the places that you have for us, God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.